Well, good evening. Good to see you guys here this evening. I trust you come to worship the Lord. Uh, Brother Marcus is not feeling real well, and so uh, we need to remember him in our prayers. And he asked me if I'd fill in for him tonight, and I said, sure, don't mind at all. So, uh, but we want to go to the Lord in prayer and begin with prayer this morning, uh, this evening. I don't want to keep start to tell Sister Julie good morning while I go. It's evening. I'm sorry. My brain will catch up sometimes. <laughs> anyway, uh, remember uh, all the prayer requests on our on our uh, prayer list that you, that we get every Sunday. Um, let's continue to add brother pa our pastor, also brother Gabriel, uh, you know the uh, Hispanic man there comes with us that, that gave us a good report last Sunday night. He's also down, so let's remember him in our prayers. Um, Carol uh, Stinson had surgery on her wrist yesterday. Uh, doctor says keep it wrapped, keep it dry till tomorrow afternoon. So just pray speedy healing and recovery for that. Remember Sister Stacy, pastor's wife, has surgery this coming Friday to remember her in our prayers that God will just minister and cause everything to, to go well and that everything will get fixed like it should be. And what the doctors can't do, God will. Amen. Anyone else have a request tonight you'd like to mention we can pray with you about before we pray? Okay. Oh, my goodness, let's remember... Let's remember these the these two ladies in our prayers. When it's, well, the one that's sick, and then um, and the one that's having to deal with uh, a sick mother and a sick and a past grandmothers. So, uh, our violence is not great; and it's not pleasant. So, um, but God can pray comfort for them, and and pray God will minister to them. Anyone else? All right, let's stand together and let's go to the Lord in prayer and just believe God this evening to, for him to touch and to move in, in these hearts and lives. And when through playing, pray and we'll stay standing and Sister Julie and Brother Dennis lead us in worship. God, our Heavenly Fathers, we come before you tonight. Lord God, I thank you that you are on your throne, that no, nothing or no one is above you and can in any way or shape or form surpass who you are because you're God. I thank you, Father God, that you're a God who heals. I thank you, Father, that you're a God who delivers. I thank you, Father God, that you are one who lifts up the brokenhearted. Lord, and those that are suffering, those that are dealing with with a, a, a spiritual and, 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 and emotional anguish tonight. Lord God, for these needs that we have heard, Lord, for this uh, lady, Lord, that her, her mother and her grandmother, Lord, had been broken into, the grandmother's life was taken, Father God, and the mother's in serious condition. Father God, we just ask you, Lord, to minister peace. I ask you, Father God, to just minister your comfort that only you can give, Lord, to her, Lord, in this point in time in her life. Father God, it's difficult as it 
it is. But, Lord, when it's two of them, Father, the emotional trauma, Lord, to this lady has got to be great. But, Lord, you are bigger than all of our trauma. You are bigger than everything we face. You are bigger because you are God, and you alone are God. And, Lord, we just pray healing for her spirit, soul, and body. We pray, God, for peace of mind. We pray, God, for the mighty contentment and the comfort of God on her heart and in her life today and in the days that are ahead, Lord God, and just minister, Lord, her life, we pray.
to the 
that says it's going to be all right. I'm in charge. Lord, you have a strength. That song says a strength like no other, but a humbleness. Jesus, you left everything in heaven. You sat at the right hand of the Father, but you became like us because you love us so much. How wonderful you are. How wonderful you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. I love that song. Don't you just love technology? Thank you, Sister Julie. I appreciate that. Thank you for the worship. Amen. I'm telling you, just speaks to our heart. Because sometimes I've thought about when she was singing, we were singing that song, you know, how, how, how wonderful your whispers. Sometimes the one thing that would help me be a good dad was when I just sat down with my kids and they're hurting and they're crying and you know something's gone wrong just to hold them gently tell them it's going to be alright we'll get through this you know this it, this will get better this too will pass sometimes I, I, I'm reminded of a story that uh, people were being asked about I think the preacher or a teacher in the class you know what's your favorite verse and uh, one gentleman I think stood up and said my favorite verse is it shall come to pass what's that mean it shall come but it's going to pass what did Paul say Paul said I have I know how to abound I know how to have everything I need I know how to lack and need everything I don't have I know how to be on the mountaintop in, in essence I know how to be in the valley but Paul makes this statement but I have learned that in all things whatever my state whatever my condition therewith to be content why because it's going to change are you on the mountaintop praise the Lord are you in the valley praise him anyway because he's still going he never leaves us he never forsakes us the psalmist says it so well yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death notice he uses that word through did you ever notice that though I walk through the valley something I think in his heart said yeah it's a valley but I'm going to go through it I'm going to enter it but I'm also going to exit it think about Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they wasn't sure how this all was going to end you know Nebuchadnezzar was a little hot under the collar he wouldn't bow down to his deal and they actually told him said, look king we understand what you want but we ain't doing it I'm just going to give you Oklahoma version we ain't doing it God's able to deliver us but even if you don't we're out of your hands kind of flippant little answer if you want to stop and think about it well what did they say God is able to deliver us but even if he doesn't we're not going to bow down to your idol those are great words to live by they went through the fire they went through the fire 
And we know what the Bible says. When they come out, it didn't even smell like smoke. The only thing burnt was the fetters that they bound them with. Didn't burn their clothes, didn't burn their shoes, didn't burn their hair. Didn't even, now, I'm telling you what, I, I know. I, I like, especially when it starts getting colder, I like building a fire. We've got a wood stove. I really love that wood stove come wintertime for sure. But I can't open that wood stove door without some smoke getting out and smelling up my house, smelling up my hair, smelling up my clothes. Bible says, but I don't mind wood smoke. I, I like it. See, some people may not. But anyway, what I'm saying is, when they, the Bible says when they came out of that fire furnace, you couldn't even smell smoke on them. Now, that's God. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen? Amen. For those of you that are not, haven't been in our Sunday school class on Sunday morning, we have been going through the book of Hebrews. Uh, we did not finish that, and I've kept all more all day. I've been going, okay, Lord, and I'm sitting there on my mower. Lord, what? Lord, what? <laughs> Brother Marcus will understand. You know, sometimes it's like, what? Okay. But I got home, kind of got a little quiet. I said, wait a minute. And he said, you didn't finish the book of Hebrews, so I'm going <laughs> to... I am going to attempt to finish the last book of the Hebrews. So for those of you who were in class, you'll catch up. Let me just kind of give you an overview of, of what I've noticed having studied this book. The first five or six chapters, the writer, to me, it, I, I get the sense that he's making a case for the superiority of Jesus. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than angels. Okay? He makes the case, and he's presenting the whole case. Now, my understanding is that the writer of the book of Hebrews was writing to Jewish Christians. They were under persecution, and there were some of them that had left the faith because of the persecution. And so the writer of Hebrews, now I'm not sure I'm not going to say who it is because he never ident they never ident identify themselves who they are. In some ways it sounds like Paul. In some ways I, I'm not sure. So if, there's, he, if he didn't identify himself, I'm not going to try to figure out who he is. You think who you want to. But he's writing to these people because he cares about them and especially the fact that they are denying the faith and turning away from the God that they have served back to Judaism, back to the law, back to the religious stuff that he, that he lays out. Even in the book of Hebrews, the writer lays it out that the blood of bulls and goats cannot cleanse us from a consciousness of sin. Only Jesus can do that. When we come to know the Lord, when Jesus saves us, he cleans our conscience up. We can then go, the, Paul says it, other writers say it, that we have the ability to come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because our sins are washed. They're not just covered, they are washed clean. I am made righteous. My righteousness is not my own. The righteousness I have is because of who I am in Jesus Christ. But because of his righteousness that he imputed to me, I have the ability, the writer of Hebrews tells us, we have the ability to boldly come before the throne of grace. Where is that? That's God's throne. That's where God himself sits. That's where the Father 
sits and where his abode is. Doesn't matter who we are, doesn't he doesn't care about your what size your bank account is. He don't care who knows I mean rephrase. It doesn't matter to him who you know or who knows you. You know, we know that within this world, well, you know, it's who you know and you can get the right job and right then. Listen, I know the Father. And he will put me right where he needs me to be. Doing what he wants me to do. But to have that freedom to walk before God, to walk into his throne room when I'm feeling bad, when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling sick, whatever my situation, I have the right and I have the privilege to go to my Father any time I need to, not just to ask him for, but to thank him for things. Now, I'm not complaining, I'm not bragging, but I'm just, I'm going to tell you, I, I get up at 5.30 in the morning because we, we've been working, start at 6.30 in the morning, work till 3 in the afternoon because it's been getting so hot. Every morning this week, when it go, cooled off, when it says it's cooled off, and then the other week ago when it cooled off, every morning, I'll thank you, Lord. This feels wonderful. <laughs> You know, it feels nice to be able to drive to work with the windows down. Of course, I usually do anyway. But, you know, when that temperature is about 68 or something like that, that feels really good. Beats 104 all to pieces. But how many times, church, do we stop? And this isn't part of what I was going to talk about. How many times do we stop and give God thanks for the little things? How many times do we say, are we all, I, I, hopefully we're not always, oh, Lord, I need this today and I need that today. You may, have, may do be able to do that, but stop and thank him for the good things. Stop and thank him for the blessings. I thank him for the blessings that I don't see. I am convinced tonight that God does things for, in my behalf and in yours too, God does things for us we never, ever see. He takes care of situations that might be coming our way and we never ever know anything about it because he takes care of it before it arrives. And if it does arrive, he knew it was coming. I, I like this and, and I'll repeat it. God is never taken by surprise by the, by the sudden occurrences that happen in our lives. He knew it was coming, but he's made a way. Okay, then we know that's the first five or six chapters and then he goes on to talk about we get into chapter 11 about the faith living by faith walking by faith there are a couple of, uh, of script couple of warnings in there about those that turned that have accepted Lord that have lived for him but if they turn around and walk away from him having known the fullness of salvation having known the fullness of of what his life the life and the love he offers he said, if you sit there and crucify Christ over again, there's there's no there's no there's nothing that can be done for that. But I have a feeling that those people that walk that far get to a point in place where they don't really care anymore. And I think there are people that way. You wonder why is our world so wicked? Because mankind by and large has rejected the God of creation. The Bible says he'll turn them over to a reprobate mind. And I'm telling you some of the stuff we see today, just I'm going, how in the world can you, how can you people think of this nonsense? Well, they can because they've got, they're listening to their father and it's not ours. All right. 
Chapter 11, everybody knows. Brother Ron Stinson said that's his favorite chapter. We kind of went through that. What is, what is chapter 11? It is examples of exercising our faith. When we think about this, chapter 11, he talks about, you know, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a substance of hope. If you've got hope for anything, then you've got faith that's going to come to pass. But he said it's also the evidence of things not seen. Has anybody here seen heaven? Well, me neither. Has any of us seen God? Has any of us seen Jesus? Not yet. But my faith in his word says... There's coming a day when I will. I will see him face to face. I like what Job said. He said, though the skin worms eat my body, yet in my flesh shall I see God with my eyes. My eyes shall behold him and not somebody else's. Church, that's what heaven means to me. I'm glad for the rooms. I'm sure they're going to be absolutely perfect. I'm not worried about the rooms. Streets of gold, look, that sounds wonderful, but I'm not going for streets of gold. I'm going to see the one who saved me from eternal damnation. I'm going to see Jesus. I will see my grandparents and my mother and them up there. There's those that have gone on before that I'm sure I'll see. But Jesus is the one I want to see, and the Father is the one I want to pay my honor to. We start to have we start that here. Hopefully you'll understand. We, we, we start that here. But we walk by faith. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by what God's Word says. Okay? Then in, in chapter 12, he talks about the cloud of witnesses. Why? All of those that have gone before us, all of those that have set the example, those in the Old Testament, those in the New Testament, those in our own, in our own lives, in our own past that have set the example for living for God. That's a cloud of witnesses. If they can make it, then we can. Doesn't mean it will always be easy because the Bible says he that endures to the end will be saved. But it means there are those that endured a lot of hardships and a lot of heartaches believing that God was still faithful. Chapter 13. Well, let me go back to chapter 12 because I, I like this. <coughs> um, trying to find. Verse 28 and 29 of chapter, thir- chapter 12 of Hebrews. The writer says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, look at that. What are we receiving? How many of you know this world is being shaken today? I, I, I don't know where, but I noticed coming to church tonight, the skies, the, 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 the air looks extremely smoky. I don't know where the fire's at, but it must be big. Maybe coming from up Canada way, I don't know where, but I know it looks awfully extremely smoky out there. There are things being shaken in our world today, church. But he says, the writer reminds us of something. We have a kingdom. We are part of a kingdom that cannot. 
be shaken. He's emphatic. You notice when he says, he says he's emphatic. We are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Now when we say that, well, is he talking? No, he's not talking about us. We are born again. If Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord of our lives, but he is a consuming fire, and there's coming a day when he is going to destroy everything you and I know and recognize right here and now. He said he's making a new heaven and a new earth. Now, if, if I read that and understand that right, I mean, he's talking brand new. It's not rebuilt. It's not remodeled. It's not refurbished. It's brand new. Why? Because all of the effects, I believe, this is my opinion, all the effects of sin and the degradation that it has brought and the corruption it has brought needs to be totally destroyed. And God is a consuming fire big enough to destroy the effects of sin in the world in which you and I live. Chapter 13. Here is his conclusion, the writer's conclusion. Verse 1, let brotherly love continue. What does that mean? What's he talking about? Hold each other up. Pray for each other. Be considerate of each other. Be concerned about each other. I think he's talking to the church as, as a whole here, but we are to allow that, that love for each other, that concern for each other ought to be evident. Don't just tell somebody you're going to pray for them. Pray for them. It's better for you not to say anything and go ahead and pray for them than say something and not. I'd a whole lot rather, but John, you, you go pray for me and just say, Lord, you just take care of that boy. Help keep straightening him out if he needs it. Sometimes I do. Then sit there and say, Ooh, you're going through, I'll pray for you, and then go about his way and forget all about it. We are, we are responsible for each other. And it's got to be done out of the love that God has for us, the love that he gives us for each other. When you know there's a need, when you see there's a need, maybe there's nothing you can do but pray. And, and, and please, hopefully we don't, we don't catch ourselves being guilty of this, but all I can do is pray. Don't say that. I will pray because that's where my connection to the Father is and what I can't take care of, my Father can. God help us to be praying people. The Bible talks a lot about that. How is that? How do I show my love? How do I, I pray for those? I, I think about people in the church. I think about different ones and I pray for them. Lord, help them in that situation. Heal them. Speed recovery to their body. Whatever they need, Lord, help them. And if there's something that I can do, then it's my responsibility to do that. He said, don't forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Have I? I don't know. I try to be nice to most people. I try to be helpful. 
I don't know that I've ever entertained an angel and, and been hospitable to him, but if I've been nice to somebody and it's helped them out and that's what God was looking for, then so be it. I'm not looking for angels, but I, what are we looking? We are looking to be a blessing to those that we come in contact with. There are people outside these four walls that need to know that somebody cares about them. Somebody genuinely cares. We are, my, I, well, I am, I guess, since I'm mostly taken care of, but I'm in the process of selling my mother's house. And this individual that is buying, you know, is, that we're in contract with right now, has some of, it. this is the most odd situation I've ever been in in my life. And I won't go in a lot of details. But I thought about today, what is this individual going through personally? Because some of the things that they're doing and some of the things they're asking for make absolutely no sense to me. But Lord, whatever that situation is, and I'll tell you what I'm praying. I'm praying, Lord, if they buy that, this all goes through and they buy that house. Lord, I pray that, and I know my mother lived in that house for 43 years. There was a lot of praying went on in that house, I guarantee you. Lord, may those prayers just surround and just envelop that whole property and help that person, if they don't know you, to find you as Savior, Jesus as Savior, Lord of their life. Because I, I suspect from what, we, what we've dealt with, the, the realtor and I, this individual needs, she need, they need God. They really do. God help them. Lord, you, yeah, I've, I've thought about praying over that property, Lord. I pray the Holy Spirit to anoint it and for the next seven years that nothing, that nothing the enemy tries works because somebody, that individual, needs Jesus. From what I can tell and I understand, they are not at peace with themselves. But that's what's the deal. We have got to be concerned. What's he talking about? He, we as Christians, regardless of how difficult life may get, regardless of what persecution comes, and they were involved in a lot of persecution, but what does he say? In the middle of your persecution, let this brotherly love continue. In the middle of your persecution, don't forget to entertain strangers. Common, my commentary, this Bible commentary says sometimes that meant having a guest overnight. Um, I'll, I'll read you the note. The second grace needing development was the extension of love to those who were strangers. Hospitality in the ancient world often included, included putting up a guest overnight or longer. This is hardest to do when experiencing a time of persecution. The Hebrews could not know whether a guest could prove to be a spy or a fellow believer being pursued. How would you know? Unless the Lord tells you. This is not given as the ultimate motivation for hospitality, but to reveal that one never knows how far-reaching an act of kindness might be. We have this deal, and, and if there was ever a time that the church needed to be showing acts of kindness, it's today and this hour we live in. Whether the persecution is great. They, he, what he was saying, the writer was saying, you're living in a time of persecution. Yeah, they might be a spy, but how do you know that that person, if you sit there and show them the love of God, if you show them an act of kindness, 
if that's not the very thing they need to turn their mind and realize, wait a minute, there's got to be something about that individual. There's got to be something about their lives that, that, that's something that I don't have and that I don't see in my own life. Kindness. He said, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. They were, they were being arrested. They were being killed. Why? Because they were Christians. But that's not fair. Jesus said, if the world hated me, it's going to hate you. He said, if the world, if the world knew me, it would listen to me. If the world knew me, they would listen to you. But if they don't, they won't. Oh, does that mean then we just got to keep? No, you tell, you tell them. But you look and see, is it being received? If it's not, go to the next one. Remember, I, I reminded of this. I got reminded of it the other day. I saw it. Somebody said, remember, Judas had the best pastor that could ever be. You stop and think about that. He spent three or three and a half years somewhere in there with Jesus, and yet on that night of the Last Supper, the very last thing Jesus did to him was broke the bread and offered him the bread, which was a sign of Jesus was the host of that particular meal. And as such, he would give that, he would break that bread, the host would break that bread and would give that to the guest of honor. Jesus gave that bread to Judas and looked at him. And I believe when Jesus looked at Judas, he, Judas knew that he knew what was going in, in, on in Judas's mind. And he offered him the bread. And when Judas took it, Jesus then said, what you've got to do, go quickly and do it. He had the best pastor. Jesus himself heard it said about, and I don't know what church he was talking about, but I've heard it said about some, says, I read somewhere, said there are some churches out there I really believe they, they, would, they would kick Jesus out as pastor. <laughs> you know, God help us not to be that way. But understand, he said, remember, we're part of the body. I've told you all before, but I want to tell you again, there is no one unimportant in the kingdom of God. When you got born again, you became a part of the kingdom of God and God has a place for you. God has a purpose for you. and God has a work for you to do and you need to find what it is and do it. Do it faithfully. Do it whether anybody sees it or not. Do it whether anybody knows it, knows it happens or not. Do it for him. Everything you do, I can't remember where the verse is, but it says, all, every, whatever you set your hand to do, do it as unto the Lord. Let him take care of the rewards. Let him take care uh, of the blessings. Just do it because you love him. He's verse 4, he said, Marriage is honorable among all, the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. And he wasn't talking just necessarily physically. He's talking about spiritually as well. How many times are there people sitting in churches trying to play games with God, but their heart is not right with him? That's an adulterer. Jesus calls us his bride. 
She is a bride that has made herself ready. She is a bride that is to be spotless and without blemish. When he comes back for his bride, he is coming for one that has made herself ready. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. I got a little tickle at my youngest granddaughter yesterday when we was at the ball game and she plays in junior high and the other two play in high school softball team but she hadn't finished their game and so she's sitting there going through her phone and I'm sitting there and she's going through this and that. I said what are you doing so what are you doing making out your Christmas list yeah that's a good idea that's what I'm doing she said oh look at this it's only $150 and I'm going say what said you really need to understand what money means <laughs> then she said oh here's one that's a hundred that's a little <laughs> I'm going okay now for in her defense okay she's like I said I gotta count backwards she's 12 <laughs> fortunately all, all I have to do is count down I know how those went in they're all two two years exactly two years apart so I gotta do is count down four she's 12 years old why she thinks like a child she's not an adult but you know what he says? Let your conduct be without covetousness. What does that mean? What does the Bible tell? What did what was one of the first commandments that when God wrote the first the, the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not covet. Be content with such things as you have. Now I'm probably talking to the choir, but know the difference between a need and a want. Okay. There's a lot of things I want, but I don't need them. I have been blessed. I will be honest with you. God has given me things and allowed me to have things that I wanted, that I enjoyed. But when it comes right down to it, do I need it or do I just want it? Okay. Maybe somebody's listening that need to hear that tonight. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus says that. Lo, he said in, 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 back in, in the Gospels, he says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of this age or this world. He never leaves us alone. God will not abandon you. God will not forsake you. If you're willing to walk with him, and it may not be easy, it may be very difficult, but God is walking with you. If you're his child, he's walking with you through the whole thing. Never let go of that. That may be the end of the rope you have to tie a knot in and hang on to, but he's still there. He's always going to be there. He said, he has said, what is it? That's a promise. Do you realize that's a promise Jesus made us? That's a promise that God's made us. I will never leave you or forsake you. Verse 6, so we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What did Jesus say? Don't fear him who can kill the body. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Who's that? That's God. 
God the creator. What's the worst they can do? When you stop and think, we're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a while ago. King, you know, we respect your we respect your title. I think they said it as respectfully as they knew him. We respect your title. We respect what you stand for, that you're the, the head of the, 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 the Babylonian Empire. But listen, there's somebody more important than you are, and we've got to follow him. He's able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. I believe they said it as respectfully as they knew how, but they said it out of a heart of conviction. Somehow they knew more than likely they were taught, God is always going to be with you. If he led the children of Israel through the wilderness with a pillar of fire by, by night and a pillar of cloud by day, all that, all that, even through that 40 years of wandering that they shouldn't have had to have done, but they refused to believe God, and so they did. And a whole generation died. But the cloud of, uh, the cloud, pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire never left them till they got across the Jordan River or to the Jordan River. He didn't leave them. Never did. Never once does it say that God just got up and walked out. He doesn't do things that way. What's he saying? He said, here's, here's, the, is the, here's the encouragement. Live like you know you ought to live. Do what you know you ought to do. Verse 7, he says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. How are we going to know if they're really following God? Look at their life. Look at what's going on in life. Look at the results of their choices. Look at the results of their life. Does God honor that? Does God bless that? Follow it. What did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. But what does that mean? That means you've got to know who Christ is. You've got to know how he lived. You've got to know how he thought, how he talked, how he walked. And notice that if, they, if he did it this way and this person is following it the way Jesus did it, Paul, I like that. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, which means the responsibility for knowing how, to, how we follow Christ is you've got to know him. You've got to know his word for yourself. The more you know it, the more you understand it, the more you get it planted in your heart, the harder it will be to take away from you. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I, will not sin, that I might not sin against you. Why did he say that? He got it. He says, and I think David is also one that says, Lord, write your law on the table of my heart. When you stop and think about that, you remember that the Bible says that God wrote on the tablets of stone. How do you destroy that kind of a word? Moses did it. You remember he got mad at the children of Israel. He threw down those tablets of stone God had written on them. I'm not so sure that was the wisest thing Moses did, but, but what is he saying? Everything at, and around that time was written in stone. How do we know that? Archaeologists go back and dig this stuff up, and here's all these writings on stone, engraved in stone. How would you like to be the stenographer? <laughs> Pharaoh makes a big eat it, and so, you know, and you've got to hammer that out in stone. You know, can't just sit there and, you know, videotape it or like we do now or, or record it on our phone. 
It had to be written out with a hammer and a chisel. But it would stay forever. He said, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Look at the outcome of their conduct. You will know those that are blessed by God, and you will know those that are not. Look at the outcome. Now, does that mean that they're always things are going to be wonderful? No. But how, what is, how is their relationship if when things aren't going like they ought to, when things aren't going like we want? What's our outlook? How do we react? And he says this. We know this one really well. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not change. His word does not change. He does not change. The only constant, somebody said, the only constant in this life is death and taxes. No, the only constant in this life is God Almighty. He never changes. If it was wrong then, it's wrong now. If it was right then, it's right now. It's simple. He doesn't change. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Skip on over here to... Um, no, let's do it. Verse 10. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. What are you talking about? The priest could eat the offerings, the burnt offerings that were given. There's some of that they could eat. They brought that for them to eat. But he said, we have something that those priests didn't have access to. We have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Him guiding us and directing us. They didn't have that then. He said, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go to him, go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Stop and think about it. When they crucified Jesus on the cross, he was crucified where they crucified all the other criminals. His death on the cross, we celebrate it. The cross becomes our symbol of victory. The empty tomb becomes our symbol of victory. But it was considered a reproach to die on a cross. You were the worst of the worst. You stop and think about the two thieves. The one that, that got repentance and, and got forgiven. He said, look, why don't you hush? He told the other one, you know. The other one's going, hey, why don't you get us all down? You're Christ. You know, you're the Christ. You can just get us all down here. We can go, go have a happy good time. The other one says, why don't you just shut up? We're here because of what we've done that was wrong, and we knew it was wrong when we did it. We are up here rightfully because we're paying for the crime that we committed. But he hasn't done anything wrong. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It was a reproach to die on the cross. 
it would have been a reproach for those to go out there to, to, to be with him. But we know that there were some of the disciples that did. Why? Because he was their master. He was their Lord. They didn't understand it all. They didn't recognize all. But they went. They were there. Some of them were there. Verse 14, For here we have no continuing city. There's a city built that will... I hadn't thought about this till just now. How many times? Enough to have... What I'm thinking about is Interstate 35. I, to me, that has got to be ODOT's uh, job security. They're going to be working on that thing somewhere something across this state. It's like aggravating sometimes. But do you realize that the city that God makes will never have to be remodeled? It'll never have to be repaired it won't decay it won't fall apart nothing's going to go wrong with it how many of you live in a house that has is like that has anybody got a house like that and nothing goes wrong no, I didn't think so but he said there's a city it's a continue and it never falls apart it's absolutely perfect no maintenance I didn't even know the yard will cut itself I guess I don't know but he said, we have a city. We hear we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Stop and think about the different cities that would have been in existence in Paul's day. Where are most of them at? They lie in ruins. We can go, we can go, we can go to those places. We can see those. Rome at one time was a magnificent empire all of its own. But what do, how, what do we know about Rome now? We know what we see from the ruins that are left it didn't continue but we have one that does by him therefore let us continue to offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name what is he talking about open your mouth and give thanks to God what is it God deserves all praise and honor and glory be mindful to always have his praise coming out of your mouth do not forget the good to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you practical Christian living do what we need to do do what we know to do I heard it said this one, this one time and it, and, and it comes to mind and, and I really like it I believe that if we would be busy doing what God told us to do we would find very little if any time to do wrong the one scripture comes to mind real quickly is pray without ceasing But if we will do those things, notice, go back over there and, and just look at that and kind of pick that apart when you've got time. Being faithful. What's he talking about? Chapter 13 in the book of Hebrews, to me, if you want to sum it up, it's be faithful. Do what you know to do. Do it to the best of your ability. 
doesn't matter whether you think somebody else can do it better than you can or not. Don't worry about it. Be faithful. Be faithful. One more time. Be faithful. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement of the writer of Hebrews, Lord, that even though they were going through times of persecution, even though things were not great, even though things were not going necessarily in their best interest or in, in their favor, so to speak, Lord, you told us, the writer tells us how great you are. He tells us how wonderful you are, how superior you are to everything else. He gives us examples of faith. He gives us examples of how people conquered and, and overcame and how some of them endured to the end, leaving this life not having received the promise, but they still had faith that was theirs. And Lord, he ends with this simply in many words, but be faithful. Father God, may we be found faithful. Lord, may that be the very desire of our heart to be found faithful because your word is said Jesus you said that when the son of man comes will he find faith on the earth Lord God may we be able to say yes Lord we are going to be faithful we want to remain faithful to you for Lord it will mean everything for time and eternity to remain faithful to you Every head bowed, every head bowed, and every eye closed, please, for just a moment. If you know the Lord as Savior and Lord of your life, would you raise your hand? Thank you, Lord. For those that may be watching this or may watch this sometime in the future, how do we start this faithful journey? this writer's talking about make Jesus Savior and Lord of your life how do you do that just simply say Lord I need you to come into my life my life's your life may be a mess it may be a total wreck as far as you're concerned but Jesus takes people whose lives were total wrecks they were total messes and he changed them. They came to him and he changed them. He didn't ask them to change. He didn't ask them to get their life all straightened out. He didn't ask them to get everything all cleaned up and put on the right clothes. All he says is, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I, he, will give you rest. If you're watching this, either tonight or sometime in the future and you want Jesus to be Savior and Lord of your life I'll ask you to repeat this after me you've got to mean it from the very depths of your heart if you just say it it's just words you've said but if you'll mean it with all of your heart then Jesus will save you just say Lord Jesus come into my life I need a Savior and you gave your life to save me. That I believe. Lord, wash me, cleanse me, and I will be saved.
Lord, I give you my life, my future, and everything that it contains. I ask you to be Lord. I ask you to be Savior of all, my life, my future, and all that's contained within that. Father, I believe and I confess that Jesus is I want him as Savior and Lord of my life. And I thank you, Jesus, that you have saved me. You have washed me because it's what I want in my life. Father, we thank you for it. We give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you tonight. Go have a good week. Be a light. Be a loving Christian to those that need to know God loves them. Amen. Lord bless you.